You're listening to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mondana Yousefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. My husband, Ian, is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am quite the newbie. Each week, he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin or Bitcoin adoption. I promise we keep it real light and fun. But before we get started, make sure you go to goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com and stack your sats for the week. Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Konnichiwa. Buongiorno. Guten Tag. Howdy. And uh, we actually had some other requests from some other parts of the world. What do you got for me? I got Kia Ora from New Zealand. There was one from South Africa. I believe it was, I'm going to try, Goimore or Goimore. I don't. Good morning. (laughs) And Greets from Germany. Hello to all our listeners. Hello to all our fountainheads. So what time is it, babe? The time is 758-264, and we are 995 blocks since our last recording. And how many acres could I get on sunny Bitcoin Island for one US dollar? In this block, you can get 5,251 acres for $1. Okay, so we're back up to 5,000. There's a lot of financial turmoil going on in the world, and the fact that we're kind of hovering around the four to 5,000 range is pretty impressive. Um, considering I was looking at Tesla today and they're down almost 50% for the year. Dang, really? Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that Tesla was down that much this year. Is anything up? Nothing is up this year. Okay. Except I think Bitcoin. Huh. I think I saw somewhere that like Bitcoin's up like 1% or something, depending on when you're measuring. You bought in? Well, it's like it was, the, the metric was one year ago. Okay. So every day, one year ago, has a different starting point. Mm-hmm. But I think I saw like 1% or 2%. You saw what you wanted, baby. It was definitely up. <laughs> yeah, I saw a comparison of inflation with different currencies. And the U.S. is one of the higher numbers. Yeah, 40% of all the dollars in the world were printed in the last three years. You love that statistic. It's a wild statistic. It is a wild statistic. It's one that's not shared enough. But Ian Reese, he shares it every chance he gets. So the past few weeks, I've been trying to steer the conversation towards my experience thus far, uh, being married to a Bitcoiner and how I came around and how we tackle our finances and how that lends to our ability to be Bitcoiners, all that good stuff. But what's going on in the Bitcoin world? What do I need to know? What's the topic at hand? This week was PayPal. Um, So I don't know if you're aware. I I know you're aware, but like... You talked to me about it earlier today. Yeah, but I feel like this would have made it into your news circles even if I hadn't told you about it because it seems that you know, they're called the normies, right? Like on Bitcoin Twitter, Mm -hmm. right? So it seems like the normies are actually also up in arms about what PayPal tried to do. And PayPal has a crypto element to it, right? Like Um, I've seen it and within my app, I've never explored it, but they have this whole like crypto button at the bottom of their app right now. Yeah, I actually can't confirm that because I recently deleted my PayPal account. (laughs) Oh, I might be wrong. They have it on Venmo, but 
I don't really go into the PayPal app often, but the Venmo app has it. And they're owned by the same company. I also can't confirm Venmo because I also deleted Venmo recently. <laughs> Ian's mad mad. So this is this is what I want to talk about. Recently, in the past couple of days, over the weekend actually, some information was, we'll just call it leaked. I don't think the public was supposed to see it when they did. Perhaps PayPal was never going to do this, but what leaked was some changes to PayPal's like terms of service or their what they call acceptable use policies. And this has already existed for PayPal. They already had this document. It's pretty much what you agree to when you, you know, check that checkbox when you're signing up for PayPal. And anytime they change it, you have to re-agree. Right? So you always have this option of opting out whenever they make changes to this type of document. Well, in that document, they added language to the document that said you could possibly be fined up to $2,500 if you were deemed to be spreading misinformation. And this was a leak. So it was probably intentional that they wanted people to see that this was something that PayPal was at least considering. There's a funny thing. There's a funny angle to this, which is a little conspiratorial, but I, I do want to bring up, which is that Elon Musk is the originator of PayPal. I know, the PayPal mafia. He's part of the original PayPal mafia. And PayPal, their like initial, like if you go back to like the 90s and a lot of their initial marketing, they were calling themselves the money of the internet. Like that's what PayPal was always projecting themselves as. And to a certain extent, they've accomplished that goal. They did. They made it very commonplace for people to exchange money on the internet with strangers and companies that they're not really familiar with. Exactly. And in order to facilitate that, what PayPal became was in the Bitcoin world, right? We call this a middleman of trust. If I'm buying something from you on eBay, you don't trust me to give you the money, but you trust PayPal to get it from me. And, and so what's happened over the years is that PayPal has had this, they've developed a reputation of when disputes arise, locking people out of their accounts until a dispute is settled. You can go Google this. This has been going on for, for years. I've, I've had people that I know that actually have experienced this where their PayPal account was locked because someone said that they didn't get what they paid for because it's PayPal, when you log in, you're asking for permission to your money. That's essentially what you're doing when you log into PayPal. So PayPal made some changes to their policy that said you could be fined for spreading misinformation. And the normies jumped on the misinformation part. And what spurred this? Was there a story about someone on PayPal that was doing something? like? Where did this come from? That is unclear. Ah. All I have been able to discover is that the information came out. It seems to be legit because PayPal addressed it. And the reason why they were doing this, they're just saying it was never meant to get this far. We didn't. We were never going to do this. Yada, yada, yada. And it was never meant to get this far, but it got far enough that it was in some documents. Exactly. Right. And so the the normies, I will say... That's not the best word, but non-Bitcoiners jumped on this because we've seen what's gone on in social media over the past mm -hmm. couple of years, where it's like just having a different opinion on a topic can get you labeled as possible misinformation. Or just posting anything that they don't like gets you shadow banned. I get shadow banned all the time on Instagram. And so like you've experienced it. I'm sure everyone has at least seen a tweet or something on Facebook or whatever that says possible misinformation or YouTube, like everywhere this has been happening. Um, now PayPal's uh, language change basically implied a monetary penalty if you were to be deemed to be doing this. And this monetary penalty would be from the money that you store on your PayPal account. <laughs> 
that's where it gets like crazy, right? Because yeah, so let's say you did have, you know, the maximum fine, at least in the document was $2,500. Um, let's say you did have $2,500. They would just, I guess, deduct that from your account. This is already a policy that's in place where they'll fine you for stuff, but it's never been under the spreading misinformation banner, right? So like pornography or child pornography, right? Like they had neat mechanisms in place which is what you're agreeing to. Like you agree not to do these things and we won't find you. They just added misinformation to that. Like why are they even finding people for child pornography? Just send them to the cops. So I think what's going on, I think where this actually plays out is that if you're have, if you are found to be doing that by, you don't transmit child pornography through PayPal. Yeah. It's just a monetary network. But if somehow it's deemed that you used PayPal to facilitate that, right? Like the sale of child pornography, you would be fine, but I guess you'd probably go to jail. So you're gonna get way worse. Yeah, than I mean, I, I don't understand why this corporation is trying to act as the police. Like that's, or I don't know, the truth police now. This is the difference between the normies and the Bitcoiners. So the normies are up in arms because they've been experiencing this on Twitter, whether your favorite politician or whatever was getting labeled with misinformation or COVID and misinformation, all that fun stuff. And they're mad about that because they've seen that play out. But the Bitcoiners have a very different take on this, which is this is what CDBCs are all about. And CDBCs are? Uh, central bank digital currencies. When Bitcoin became a thing that you couldn't really say wasn't a thing anymore, Bitcoin was laughed at for a while. Like these crazy people are just trading their money in for beans right magical beans basically and then somewhere in there when it didn't crash to zero like the third or fourth time who knows right it became maybe not bitcoin there needs to be some rules and regulations around yeah, this idea maybe the united states could create their own exactly like right? centralized internet money exactly yep, yep. which the treasury earlier this year like said that they were exploring exactly the u.s treasury i think other countries are doing this as well the first country to do this was china we've all heard or at least i know you've heard because i've talked about it like the digital wand mm -hmm. right that's basically a cdbc they don't call it that they just call it the digital wand but if you look at how china has weaponized that currency system one of the things that they've done is if you do something we don't like, we shut off your access to your money. During COVID, if you didn't comply with lockdowns, they were shutting off people's bank accounts. If you posted something they didn't like on WeChat, they would shut off your bank account, right? They were using the, the, the financial uh, system as a weapon against their citizenry. And so what the Bitcoiners are saying to this whole PayPal fiasco is basically, if you're mad at this, you better be just as mad when CDBCs come out. When they actually try to push that, don't pretend like it's a corporate company. Oh, it was bad when PayPal did it, but it's okay when the government did it because it's the same thing. It's worse. It's worse because technically with a with a private entity, you can choose not to use it. Right. You can opt out of it. I deleted my PayPal account. <laughs> I deleted my Venmo account, right? I can't delete my, I guess, checking account. You'd have to have a checking account somewhere to pay the mortgage. I can't pay the mortgage with Bitcoin yet. Mm -hmm. So it's like if the government institutes this same policy on a CDBC, you won't have any recourse to delete any app to, to protest. And already like the government is, you know, taking wages out for different things, right? Like the government currently, if you have to pay child support or back taxes, even if, you know, you haven't paid parking tickets, there's so many ways right now that they find a way to get your money. And this is just <laughs> giving them 
a clear path to how they can pull money out of your account whenever they want for whatever reason and how hard would it be to contest it? Like this PayPal thing, I'm assuming the policy didn't go far enough that they had like their uh, waiver requests or I don't know, their refund requests for these types of fines, but. Well, the policy did go pretty far because what their policy did say is that And if you don't have the money currently in your PayPal account, we will pull it from whatever account you've connected to PayPal. So like they'll pull $2,500 from your checking account. And that's wild. It's like PayPal was supposed to be this alternative to banks. I don't know if that was ever actually the case, but they were supposed to be the lesser of evils. Like the word pal is in their name. They're supposed to be your friend. But this is just like a more shysty, if that's the word for it, weighted fine your users yeah it's like overdraft fee forget overdraft fees no one's gonna overdraft their paypal account we set it up so that they can't so if we're upset with something that they're doing conduct wise we'll find them twenty five hundred dollars yeah it's wild and paypal's reaction was oh our bad sorry you know whatever but it's like if you know how the world works you know that that's not how corporate america works like if you start putting in changes to policies those go through lawyers those go through legal counsel right like i assume this is a leak right i assume that someone this came across someone's desk and they were just like oh hell no i've had a bad day y'all don't pay me enough they might also be a bitcoin i was gonna say there are probably some bitcoiners up in paypal getting real frustrated Bitcoiners for the past couple of years, specifically in the last year and a half, have been saying that financial repression is coming. As this economy starts to unravel, everyone is going to start putting in the craziest rules and regulations in place to do one of two things, either keep the population like in check and like under control and or prevent capital flight. Yeah, make it harder for people to access their money in droves. With this PayPal scenario, this is a this isn't necessarily either one of those, right? Like assuming you got deemed to be spreading misinformation, I guess they might lock you out of your account also. I don't really know. I mean, if you take $2500 from me, you may as well assume I'm no longer a customer. Even if it was an honest mistake, you're going to lose a customer. Right. I would hope. Yeah. I would hope. You lost me. I mean, if you're being honest with your metrics, you lost a customer in me because you got this far in this idea. But the financial repression is not going to happen to everyone at the same time. And what we've seen so far is they did a really big one and a really small one. The really big one was Russia. They stole over half a trillion dollars from Russia. The little one was the Canadian protesters. And then over the weekend, you wanted to go to the ATM to get some cash for the farmer's market. And the same ATM that you've been going going to all of a sudden had a cash limit that was reduced from $500 to $200. Yeah, I mean... And guys, Ian was pissed. I'm not surprised that it was reduced, but I was surprised that it was like over 50%. Like, that's a pretty drastic reduction. I needed the exact amount of cash that we were able to take out. But had I needed any more, I would have had to make two transactions and they would have charged me the $3 fee twice just to get access to the same amount of money I could have gotten access to for one $3 transaction or fee, whatever, nine months ago. Such a scam. So when they reduce the amount that you can withdraw, that's a form of financial repression because you have to pay that ATM fee twice Mm -hmm. just to get the same amount of money. They are literally making more money by doing that. And it's just becoming obvious. I assume all the Bitcoiners are deleting their PayPal and Venmo accounts. 
honestly, the last experience I had with PayPal was fraud. So I was happy to delete that. And the last experience I had with Venmo was, I think, at our wedding, really. Mm -hmm. Like people sending us, you know, money for gifts or whatever, money for the wedding. But um, I don't use that anymore. It's not to say that we don't need to, like, transfer money to people that's, like, not Bitcoin, right? And that's where I think Strike comes in. Like on day one, when I first ever heard about it, Strike was basically advertised to me as a possible consumer as a replacement for PayPal or Venmo. It that, wasn't even presented to you as a Bitcoin app? I didn't know anything about Jack Marlers. Oh. I didn't know anything about like how they were moving the money. It just looked like Venmo with no users and a different <laughs> color scheme. It was six months later that I understood what Strike really was because of the underlying plumbing of how it moves the money and all that fun stuff. So just like Venmo, if someone else has a Strike account and we have dollars in there, I could move dollars to them just like I do on Venmo and PayPal. That functionality was the OG functionality. And if you can get all your friends to switch from Venmo and PayPal to Strike, everything works the exact same. Ah, interesting. However. Uh-oh. No, this is a good however. Oh. Once you get your friends into Strike, now you can start giving them Bitcoin instead of dollars. Ah. And what the way the Strike works is that basically dollars and Bitcoin are basically the same thing. I don't know if their UI is the best at making that obvious. And obviously it's young product and they'll get to a better experience. But basically dollars and Bitcoin are the same thing inside of Strike until you withdraw your Bitcoin. So I can send you like a Venmo request. Hey, give me 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Or I can send you a Bitcoin request that says, hey, give me 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. And it's, I just decide which I want to send. The decision is being made by the requester. But if I'm holding it in Bitcoin, it's going to have to convert to the dollar first. Well, that's the difference. If I send a request to you straight up Venmo style, hey, Mandana, Give me 50 bucks. And it's and I would say, I'm your wife. Why don't you get it yourself? <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But once we got past that ridiculous exchange, you would, from your cash balance and strike, you would see $50 leave your cash balance and $50 would arrive in my cash balance instantaneously, mm -hmm. right? That's how Venmo works. That's how PayPal works. And that's how Strike works. To the user, it all looks the same. Now, the difference comes in when I can say, hey, Mandana, give me $50 in Bitcoin, you don't necessarily have to pay me through Strike, right? Because Strike will create that QR code. It'll create that invoice, which can be a string or the QR code, which is a representation of the string. You could pay me that $50 from any app mm. outside of Strike, right? I still am requesting $50, which has been converted to a certain number of Satoshis. But now you could pay me from a Moon Wallet, you could pay me from Cash App. Or any of these other international uh, you, apps that operate the same way as Strike do, but Strike's just not available in those countries. Exactly. You can pay me from anywhere that you can you can pay a Lightning invoice. But when it comes into Strike, it's going to come in as Bitcoin. Now, within Strike, I can convert that Bitcoin to dollars right away. Mm -hmm. Right? So Strike is the best of both worlds. It's like you don't have to make a full leap into Bitcoin. You can still operate like Venmo and PayPal. And Strike also wants businesses to use them, correct? Strike has actually been working on, like you just said, they're not available everywhere. So they're just trying to make themselves available in all of these like jurisdictions. So right now it's the United States, El Salvador, Argentina, and I want to say Canada, but I feel like not even in Canada. They're definitely not available in Europe. So, so Strike is just trying to become available in certain regions. Now, that being said, if you're a business and you want to, 
Like if you were at the farmer's market, you want to run your business on Bitcoin, you could just do that with the Strike app. Right. Because someone would say, you know, you'd say you owe me 50 bucks. You could just create a QR code for them to scan right there. Boom. With Bitcoin. But if they didn't have the Strike app, they couldn't pay them in US dollars. You're saying like Square and like swiping a credit card. It's definitely like you couldn't pay me the same way you can't pay me like Venmo at the farmer's market right like it's got the same limitations mm-hmm. the only person that's only group that's really overcome those limitations is square mm-hmm. right so square has the square reader which basically turns your phone into a cash register mm-hmm. so you can punch in a dollar amount and it's like your invoicing system you punch in a dollar amount they can give you cash or they can swipe their card mm-hmm. right square doesn't have like i mean i guess technically square has a i can have a balance and square and I can pay you from my square balance to your square balance. I've never done that. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess that doesn't. These are two different services. Yeah. So I will not be surprised if Strike gets into that business. But I also think that that's not where they're going. I think if anything, you're going to see Square, which is technically Jack Dorsey and his affinity for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see Square. Actually, they've been renamed to Block, right? Mm. So you're going to see Block. And Cash App. Yeah. So Cash App block jack dorsey that conglomerate of companies right they're going to be the ones that just integrate lightning into their payment system so when you go into your coffee shop you're just going to be able to pay right there at the pos and you could be paying from your strike app and you could be paying from your strike app or you could be paying from you know one of the things that i've been trying to get set up on my phone is having my lightning app be connected to our personal home node Mm -hmm. so that when I'm if I wanted to pay someone when we're out and about it's the most private way of doing it when I pay through strike technically strike knows that I bought that coffee but if I pay using my lightning app connected to our home node no one else knows it's just us and the coffee shop there's no middleman so would you say right now if someone were to get off of paypal and venmo close those accounts they should open up a strike account if you haven't already started a strike account like definitely use our referral code you get like five or ten dollars in us dollars to get the party started in that app um but shouldn't you also have a cash app account because i feel like in terms of adoption like if you are going out to dinner with someone, they pay for the bill, you got to pay them back. Like they're not going to have the Strike app and they're not going to download it right then. But I feel like enough people have the Cash App that you could do that. So, and is, isn't Cash App Jack Dorsey a company that's probably leaning more towards the ethos of Bitcoin and all that good stuff? Yes. As far as ubiquity goes, I would say PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. Mm. Those are the ubiquitous ones. Especially when you're talking about like as a as a social graph of people like my friends have it friends of friends have it so like if you're at dinner with strangers everyone still has the same app mm-hmm. probably more likely to be cash app than strike right so 100 cash app is a good alternative also the reason why i always advocate for strike is more about like the underlying technology and like how strike was built from the ground up completely on top of bitcoin Cash App has integrated some Bitcoin features. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely more of a bridge app, right? Because it's got all of the old banking rails and stuff that everyone's used to with a little bit of lightning and a little bit of Bitcoin. Yeah, but I think like it's important for us to use those bridge apps, as you're calling it, if we want to move along people to Bitcoin adoption. I just think it's really hard to get someone to download the Strike app if they're not buying Bitcoin 
in strike. I think that's reaching. And I think it's a kind of radical statement to say, delete your Venmo and PayPal. Because, you know, unless someone's paying attention to this, they're going to be like, eh, it is what it is. Well, I'm not going to say anything bad on social media. They're not going to delete my stuff. They're not going to find me. Like, I think just saying, hey, from now on, I'm using Cash App, send me money just on there. Like I encourage you to just use Cash App, it's a better company. I think that's an easier way to push people to eventual Bitcoin adoption. I 100% agree with that. And the beauty of that is if everyone else has Cash App and you wanna split that check at dinner or whatever, cool, you can generate an invoice for for Lightning Mm -hmm. in Cash App. I can still pay you with Strike. Right. Right, so like I don't have to change my behavior, but if you have Cash App, we can still figure this out. That's only if they want Bitcoin, though. You can't generate an invoice for U.S. dollars, can you, in Cash App? Yeah, so like that's my point, right, is in order to uh, encourage adoption, obviously I would have Cash App also, right? But in that scenario, I would not immediately say I have Cash App. I would say, hey, <laughs> hey, like, are you willing to try this out real quick? 50 bucks? Yeah. I'll send you 50 bucks of Bitcoin right mm-hmm. now. Let me show you how to do it in Cash App, yeah. right? If they're willing to do it, Cool. They do it. Boom. Now they have 50 bucks in Bitcoin. Maybe that's 50 bucks. They convert immediately to dollars. Maybe that's 50 bucks that they just never convert to dollars. And they just kind of hold 50 bucks in Bitcoin in their cash app. You Maybe one day they don't look at it for like a couple of couple weeks and it's up and they're like, Ooh, Bitcoin went up. Okay. I get it now. And then a month later it goes down. Sure. But when and then a year later it goes up. But that's the thing is like you've, you've put it in front of them, hopefully, or eventually if they, if they just hold it, if they don't sell their, mm-hmm. they don't sell the $50 that you gave them, it's now in their face. Now, every time they open cash app, Oh, there's that 50 bucks I still have. Oh, it's 45. Oh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin sucks. Oh, it's 65. Oh, okay. I get it. If it's the only Bitcoin they've ever gotten, they're going to remember that it was $50. And so on a long enough timeline, they'll see, oh, it just kind of snakes its way up. It has big dips, but it snake, it keeps snaking up. So what you're saying is maybe PayPal's demise will lead to Bitcoin's rise. I think PayPal made a very strong case for Bitcoin this weekend. They can't catch you slipping, babe. Who, me? I mean, PayPal. All of these companies right now, it's because there's an alternative. Until now, it was always like, well, what are you going to do? And now it's like, I'm going to delete my account and I'm going to use Stripe, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that as the next two years play out, and I said this about the people in the UK a couple episodes ago, and I'm going to say it now, more people... PayPal's global, so like globally, more people are paying attention. International, baby. People are going to start caring more and more about their money. Specifically, the people that have kind of been what you just said, oh, whatever, right? Like the people that have been apathetic to how things work. I think those were a lot of the people that got upset about this PayPal thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking like, all right, after this episode, I'm going to reach out to my friends. and I'm going to be like, guys, you really should get on the Strike app. You really shouldn't be using PayPal and Venmo anymore, like they can't be trusted. They kind of showed their hand with this leak. And I'm thinking about, I don't know how many years ago I was telling people, get the Signal app. Stop using WhatsApp. Don't use these other things. Get the Signal app. Don't text me that stuff on anything with the Signal app. Whatever that stuff is, you guys can use your imagination. And no one listened to me. And then something happened last year. I don't even remember what it was, but everyone got on the Signal app. 
Do you remember what it was? I do not because most of the people that I interact with were already on Signal because I just refuse to interact with them on anything else. I know. I'm one of them. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I only have, I have a fraction of the circle that you have, so it's a lot easier to... Uh, I'm a social butterfly. To bring your group with you. I don't remember what caused anyone to like switch over, as you're saying, like all of a sudden everyone had it. It might have been one event. It might have been little individual events. We don't know. But that's basically how Bitcoin's going to work, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know what's going to get it to finally click for them. It might be some John Oliver special. Mm -hmm. It might be, you know, we, we don't know what it'll be. Or they're trying to do something shady and suddenly they're like, I don't want this to come up on my ads. Sure, right? <laughs> um, I think most people listening to us probably already have Bitcoin, but for the friends that I know listen who don't have it but listen, thank you for listening. We love you. If you felt the need to switch from WhatsApp to Signal or from SMS to Signal, if you felt the need to do that, I promise you the need to switch from PayPal and Venmo and the, basically the banking system to Bitcoin is like a thousand times stronger because whatever you're trying to hide in your text messages, hide is a relative term. You just want some privacy, right? You wanted communication yeah. privacy. Bitcoin is financial privacy. There's no middleman. If you don't want there to be, there is no middleman. It works like a credit card, but it's as if you were handing someone a dollar bill. It's definitely the privacy thing because I remember, I don't know, a couple of months ago, one of my friends was talking about photos that they've sent to someone else that they didn't know well. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you sending those photos? And it was like, oh, you know, I send photos, I get photos. And I was like, no, 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 you cannot send these photos. And it was like, as if I'm this, you know, married girl off the market, I don't know how dating works. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not the person you're sending it to that you need to worry about. It's the fact that you've just sent it out there on the internet. It exists forever. And it exists forever. Governments can access it. Private companies, it is not secure. And I remember in the conversation, they were surprised that I knew this. And I was like, how do you not know this? How do you not know how your phone works and it was like this very interesting wake-up call that they finally had when up until then they understood that if they send a nude photo of themselves that person could leak it but they were completely okay with that <laughs> which was like okay okay so let me get this straight i just want to want to repeat this back so <laughs> my main concern is that a newly met but basically stranger might leak this photo. That was m but, one of my concerns, but, 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 but also but like... Their, their concern was not that, no. well, once they leak that photo, someone else might have it, mm -hmm. and then they have broader dissemination capabilities. Like, they didn't think about, like, they didn't think about the next step. People just aren't very concerned about their privacy when it gets in the way of their fun. I think that's what it is, but I think there's always this aha moment where it's like, no, this isn't okay. And like I said, like if you felt the need to switch the signal, you know, if you want to send naked pictures or whatever, like, or whatever pictures you want to send. <laughs> <Do> on signal. <laughs> no, 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 like what, what I'm getting at is like, if you want to send personal private pictures between you and another person, like, I don't care if you do that. I do, don't do it. <laughs> if they need that from you, they're not the one. This, this is a relationship yes. show Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't need that. You should be with someone who knows better, who would not put you in that position of vulnerability straight up. Great point. Now, take that same logic to Bitcoin. That's my exact point. Like when you're interacting with someone and they're like, no, send it to me on PayPal. No, send it to me on Venmo. You should have the same reaction as if they're trying to ask you for a nude photo over SMS. <laughs> 
Because that's, but that's my point. Like, that's where we're getting to. That's the mindset. That, that's where we're getting to. And I would just argue that the Bitcoiners are there and the OG Bitcoiners have been there for a very long time. And just like everyone's catching up on this, like, text messaging privacy thing, mm -hmm. they're going to catch up on the financial privacy thing because as PayPal proved this weekend, oh, they can just, like, modify a document mm -hmm. and all of a sudden start yanking money from me. Like, yep. oh, and by the way, why do you have the ability to do that? Because the technology allows it. Well, yeah, but once someone asks the question of why do they have the ability to do that, then you have to get into the fundamentals of like, well, what is money? What are mm -hmm. they actually taking from me? Why can they take this from me? I thought it was mine. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Bitcoin, I didn't understand it at the, at the very beginning. I can be completely honest. I did not understand that concept of like, once you have it, there's no ACH, right? There's no auto withdrawal. There's no like, oh, someone debited my account give it back that doesn't exist if they take it if they take anything from you they're going to take it all it's not going to be like a random charge from netflix against your bitcoin stack it's going to be your whole bitcoin stack <laughs> right once i made that connection that like oh the reason why bitcoin is so powerful is because you'll never see a random charge never and if it is it's going to be the final one because they're going to take all your bitcoin so protect it be careful whatever but once you have that security in place it is very different than a checking account it is very different than a credit card. And you should want the level of privacy for sending your nude photos as you do for your money. I think those should be, the ordering there is wrong. <laughs> I feel like you should put money on top of the photos, but like privacy is privacy. And I think PayPal really made a strong case for Bitcoin this weekend without even meaning to. And I think a bunch of normies, based on what I'm seeing on Twitter, a lot more normies ended up in the Bitcoin Twitter echo chamber or whatever in the last 48 hours, I would say. Just by asking the question, like, how can they do this eventually a bitcoin is going to be like oh we've been screaming this for about a decade <laughs> so hope you had some good takeaways from today's episode you know paypal venmo bad strike and cash app good um but i think most importantly do not send or ask for nudes um that's like a really important point that i really want to drive home with you guys <laughs> yeah and to bring it back to bitcoin <laughs> I hope we have encouraged you to fight for your privacy in all matters. Yeah, 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 that too. It's time for shout outs. If you're listening on a platform other than Fountain and want to support the show, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com support and check out all the other ways to show us love. First up, our most streamed listener, hello there. Our most boosted listener, Hunters F770. The biggest single boost was from Joey DD. Now our top 10 boosters this past week, Iray, Southside, Zordon, Y Percopelli, Saints and Sats, Gambler247, Yellowflash21, ArmyGuy6902, Daniel Cook, and Alex Perez X. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Did you know the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast runs on the value for value business model? So what does that mean? Instead of having to listen to us read the same batch of ads every episode, we're looking to you, our listeners and supporters, to support the show if and when we provide you with something of value. Value can be anything, some new piece of information, a new point of view, or even a good old-fashioned belly laugh. 
When we provide value, we ask that you contribute to the show what you believe the value is worth to you. Hence the term value for value. To learn more about how to support the pod, visit flirtingwithbitcoin.com support. And don't forget to subscribe so we can always keep in touch. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next episode.